0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Friendship. I'm Mark Musinski And I'm Brian Wool, And we are best friends. And this is a podcast about friends. It's a true friendship podcast, so think like a true crime podcast. But instead of the stories of murders, we're telling the stories of friendships, the most interesting ones we can find from the past and present so that we can hope to be better friends and make more friends in the future. And not only is this a podcast by friends about friends, it's a podcast for friends. Which is you, of course. And as always, we can use more friends. So if you have a moment to rate this podcast on your podcast app of choice, or even better... Uh, Think about the people that you care about The friends in your life And look through our catalog of Hundreds of episodes at this point uh, And find some That you know where the friendship Reminds you of the relationship you have With your friends like uh, maybe You know you see Lucille Ball And Carol Burnett and you're like hey And you send it to your friend because they planned your Baby shower just like Lucy planned Carol Burnett's baby shower Uh and also You know uh Not only do we love algorithmic and word-of-mouth promotion, we like hearing from you. So, I guess just hit up Brian or I. We'd love to know what you think and how you feel. And in that same spirit, as many good friends do, uh, we, we like to start every podcast by checking in with our friends. So, Brian, how was your week in friendship been?
1: It was a pretty good week. I didn't really get to hang out with a whole lot of friends... Uh, this week because of uh, the Christmas holiday but after the Christmas holiday I got to get I got to get together with our good friend Josh Nordmark and and uh, his wife uh, Jess his daughter may and you yes that was really great no, it was
0: awesome I mean Josh not only was Josh our roommate and good friend for a very long time and uh, and the efficient of both of our weddings uh, he also is a friend of the podcast because he did the episode on Ulysses S. Grant and Mark Twain for us. Yes, he did. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was so great to see them. That was, that was my weekend friendship highlight as well. Uh, they live in Illinois. So
1: when they're out in California, it's, I don't know. I always,
0: I always hope to catch them whenever they're passing through.
1: Yeah. It was, it was really great to, to be with you guys. I, I like to spend holidays with friends as much as possible but of course you know we have family yeah. and it's important to spend time with family too That's
0: my favorite family is a different podcast that uh, someone should do about families <laughs>
1: That's, This
0: one focuses on friendships and it's okay to be biased
1: <laughs> Yeah So yeah it was it was really great to to spend some time with you guys Yeah same and also watching and, our friends uh,
0: children grow has been a, a just sort of fascinating thing over the past couple of years and getting to see... Yeah, how about Now that? that some of them are old enough to like talk and have opinions about stuff to see how all the things that we like about our friends, uh, hopefully, are making their way down to the next generation.
1: Speaking about children growing, mm. uh, that is an interesting transition into what I'm going to talk about because most famously, there was recently a tribute concert to the memorial of Taylor Hawkins, Mm. the former drummer of Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, highlights of that concert was Taylor Hawkins' son sitting in as drummer, uh, symbolically taking the place of his father uh, in his own band. And he played drums on the song My Hero. Wow! And he succeeded wildly to remind those grieving of the joy and hope for the future in a way that only kids can. Yeah. You know, with Dave Grohl being the frontman of Foo Fighters and the best friend of Taylor Hawkins, I thought it would be interesting and important to cover a friendship in which one of the friends die. Yeah. And we talk about grief. And... Dave Grohl uh, famously was in the band Nirvana mm-hmm. where they lost their lead singer, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. And, uh, and so I feel like Dave Grohl, uh, in his best friendship with Taylor Hawkins, his friendship with Kurt Cobain, he has a unique perspective on loss in friendship. Yeah. And uh, I felt like it's, it's something we haven't really covered very much yet. And being in a band with somebody... Uh, you know,
0: hearkening back to our episodes about touring or the episode where we interviewed the actual band, Louberger, it really is, it's a really unique kind of friendship that probably exists in a similar space as, like, you know, like almost to the War Buddies level, uh, you know, without the threat to your life, obviously, uh, and and very important sacrifice. But, um, you know, you're just, you're with these people around the clock, you depend on them for your livelihood. They're your eating companions. You're they're, they're you know next to you on the tour bus. You can't escape them for months on end. And also, you have to collaborate creatively with them to make new music. I mean, it's it really is. It's a type of friendship that you know I think engenders a closeness that you don't see in a lot of
1: other places. Yeah, most definitely. I, I let's get into some quick biographical information. Yeah. Dave Grohl. Uh, Famous drummer for Nirvana. Then uh, after Kurt Cobain dies, Dave Grohl decides to create his own band where he is no longer the drummer. Because he felt, you know, whenever he's in the drummer's seat, everybody kind of thinks of Nirvana. You Mm -hmm. know, especially right after Kurt Cobain's (laughs) death. So he thought, well, you know, maybe I'll put myself out front. And it can give me a fresh start. And so then Dave Grohl created Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl grew up in Ohio. His mother was a singer and his father was a classically trained flautist. Oh, wow. But his father professionally was a Republican speechwriter. Really? Yeah, like campaign strategist type thing. Yeah, and that's what Dave Grohl's dad did. His mom very much supported his decision to become a musician, whereas his father, not so much. But he, he still got on board eventually. Yeah. It, it was, he just felt that even though he had a very strong passion for music himself, he felt that it was important to get a much more regular job than you know gigging around well look it's uh, it's tough when your your dreams
0: of becoming the world's most famous flautist don't quite play out you know Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's hard to see that your children you know may want to take that same path
1: yeah now uh taylor hawkins he was born in texas uh 3 years after Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl was born in 1969, Hawkins in 72. So he's a younger, but not by much. Mm-hmm. And uh his family moved to Laguna Beach when he was 4, so he, he Hawkins mostly grew up a California boy. He went to Laguna Beach High School, graduated in 1990. He was already, you know, in bands pretty early on mm-hmm. and and kept going from there and Nineteen ninety five Taylor Hawkins joined Alanis Morissette's band. Really? And supported yeah, he was on Jagged Little Pill and did her can't not tour as well. Oh wow. He was in the videos for You Oughta Know, All I Really Want, You Learn. Uh he's in a lot of the Jagged Little Pill concert film uh VHS or DVD, whatever you Dave Grohl also watch plays
0: on, on... You ought to know, I think, in like one of the studio sets. So I was—I mean, I guess it's a small world at that level, I assume.
1: Yeah, something like that. They—they they were overlapping because that's how that's how Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl met. They oh. were they were touring with uh, Alanis Morissette, and and just being friendly, and uh, they they crossed over that way. And so when Dave was creating Foo Fighters he called taylor hawkins to to be like who do you recommend you know who who should i get to be a drummer and taylor hawkins was like me <laughs> <laughs> he just assumed Grohl taylor Grohl was hawkins like, was busy and taylor hawkins was like no man i want to be in your band well, I mean, he was busy. He was touring in support of Alanis Morissette, one of the biggest mm-hmm. acts at the time. And it wasn't like Dave Grohl was asking Taylor Hawkins to join Nirvana. He was starting a new thing from the ground up mm-hmm. that was completely unproven. Like, yeah, Dave Grohl had been proven as a drummer, but to to assume that his Foo Fighters would be successful is kind of bold, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and, well, and know. also... to Does-
0: to step into the drummer seat for one of the most famous drummers at the time who was going to be doing other stuff. You know, it's like Exactly. You know that guy's going to look back from that lead singer microphone and and be like, "Huh, I would have done that differently." Not necessarily in a good or bad way, but
1: I actually have a couple of quotes from them about this time. <laughs> so I'm going to start with Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl says, "Upon first meeting our band, our bond was immediate." And we grew closer with every day, every song, every note that we ever played together. I am not afraid to say that our chance meeting was a kind of love at first sight, igniting a musical twin flame that still burns to this day. Together, we've become an unstoppable duo, on stage and off it, in pursuit of any and all adventure we can find. We are absolutely meant to be, and I am grateful that we found each other in this lifetime. Wow, that's love, you know, yeah. that's amazing Yeah, and he, this, this, he wrote this in his uh, autobiography um, And uh, Grohl also went on in, in his uh, autobiography to say Hawkins would tear through the room like an F5 tornado of hyperactive joy Hawkins is my brother from another mother My best friend, a man for whom I would take a bullet Wow Oh, the name of the book, by the way, is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music, if you guys Mm -hmm. want to pick that up. So yeah, Grohl called Hawkins and was like, hey man, need a drummer. And Hawkins said, I'm the guy. (laughs) And Hawkins said, my first hurdle was the same one that the first drummer never made it over. Because they they actually, uh, Foo Fighters had another drummer before Taylor Hawkins. Um, And so Hawkins said, my first... Hurdle was the same one that the first drummer never made it over, which was, how do you be a drummer in one of the greatest rock and roll drummers of all times band? Do you try to be like Dave? Or do you try to be less like Dave? Or do you try to find the middle ground? It took me a while before I could find my own zone, so to speak. Hmm. So your thoughts on it Mark are exactly dead on. That is exactly what Hawkins was struggling with was he was like how where do I find my place, my voice, my sound in a band where I'm literally playing in the shadow of one of the most famous rock drummers of all time. Yeah. You know. And Grohl completely did not care about the sound. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess he cared about it a little yeah. bit, you know? But, like, he was... Dude's clearly good, you know? Like, he's playing for Alanis Morissette. She wouldn't have him on if he was garbage, you know? Yeah. And he heard him well, play. Well, that was in but 95. Said, he was 23, you know? Like, he was
0: He was obviously a yeah. talented person who was plucked from a young age.
1: Yeah. And, and Grohl said my my thinking was i want to travel the world with this guy i want to jump on stage and drink beers with this person that was my biggest concern it's fair <laughs> so like yeah and then I, I i think that's that's a, a solid priority to have cuz you know a lot of the job of being a touring entertainer is the travel itself mm-hmm. not necessarily the the stuff on stage? A lot of the stuff is the stuff that happens off stage. Oh yeah. What do you do in the downtime? I I think it's very healthy that Dave Grohl prioritized the friendship part of it all over the technical music side of it. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, luckily Taylor Hawkins still amazing drummer, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Hawkins he goes on record saying that. Dave Grohl held his hand through recording their first album together and really helped him figure things out. But, uh, you know, Grohl thinks that he, he lends a little bit more respect to Hawkins than Hawkins will give to himself. That's fair. <laughs> you know,
0: and also it was Grohl's it, uh, band, so
1: he's he should be shaping the
0: sound, in a he should be taking a yes. leadership role in that way.
1: Yeah, and that and that's something that that can be really great because you know you can kind of relax as a member of the band and be like, well, you know, I just got to kind of show up and do what Dave says. But then sometimes you have your own opinion, and it's like sometimes I got to show up and just do whatever Dave says. You yeah. Know?
0: Well, and there's something about leading a, a any collaboration like that where I think hopefully what you really want is for everyone to take, you know, to sort of get on board with the vision that you might have for it, but also bring things you you couldn't do on your own. Otherwise, Dave Grohl would just sit in the drummer seat and play the drums on the album recording.
1: Yeah. And and also, because of that, let's let's look at already with the statements that I just read. Look at how they're looking at their friendship immediately. Mm-hmm. Dave Grohl is looking at it as a friendship of pleasure. <laughs> He's not thinking about it necessarily as a friendship of utility, even though it is. Yeah. And Hawkins is totally on friendship of utility, you know, in terms of the Aristotelian uh, definitions of friendship. Yeah. Like, so they are not on the same page at the beginning of this friendship. You know? No, uh, they 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 do have a lot of chemistry. There's something going on, but mentally, there's something going on underneath where Hawkins is like, "I'm in this band. I need to figure out my place." And Dave Grohl is like, "I have a fun friend." I feel like you know? that's a common
0: thing with hierarchical friendships that start in a hierarchical place. You know, like Dave Grohl doesn't have to worry mm-hmm. about being intimidated by the front man of the band because he is that person. Whereas Taylor Hawkins yeah. is like. You know, Dave Grohl was already in a famous band, and he wants to do well and all this. And then, you know, as the friendship continues, I, I, at least I assume, and also, you know, once it's like, they've made a lot of money, they're successful, like, he doesn't have to worry about that stuff anymore. He can relax into appreciating the friendship
1: more and less seeing it in its place in their hierarchy. And also, you got to think about their musical influences, too, right? So, like, Dave Grohl has some different taste than Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins was pretty unapologetic about his love of pop music. (laughs) He uh, he was a big fan of the Bee Gees. He was a big fan of of a lot of 80s pop and 70s pop as well. So, like, um, finding... A place for that kind of joy and happiness in being like the surfer bro and the rock band is <laughs> it was you know something that he had to kind of grow into and and uh, and feel comfortable yeah uh, with with his role.
0: But you don't want to be you don't want a band of four Dave Grohl's you know so it, but it is scary. I, it's it's this very strange situation of but it kind of comes down to like being. Confident and comfortable with yourself too, which I think is probably an
1: important ingredient in any friendship. He suffered from a lot of uh, stage fright, you know, mm-hmm. and that and that was pretty intense for him. Although his his friends, Taylor Hawkins' friends, said that he never performed intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, it should be noted when when he uh, died. His toxicology report came back and he had like 10 different substances in him, oh, wow. including uh, uh, benzos, some opiates, I think a little bit of heroin. I'm not sure mm. if it was, but something similar. Because Hawkins did struggle with heroin use. He, he actually OD'd in 2001 oh, man. and it had a profound effect on Grohl and his friendship. Grohl said, I freaked out when Taylor wound up in the hospital. I was ready to quit music because to me it felt like music equaled death. I started praying. I've never been to church in my life and I'm walking back from Taylor's hospital to our hotel every night and I'm just praying out loud in the streets of London. I don't even know if I believe in God, but I felt like, you know, this is not right. You know, what kind of God would let this happen? and and Taylor did recover from his OD in mm-hmm. in 2001 but while that was going on you know Dave Grohl had to go through all of this stuff of processing the possible loss of another close friend you know just you know 8 9 years after his other friend died mm-hmm. it's just so so intense and they were getting in the the studio to record their fourth album, One by One, but that was when Hawkins, you know, was, had his uh, overdose mm-hmm. and was, was recovering. And at that time, Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age invited Dave Grohl to play drums for them and, and tour. Mm-hmm. And Grohl said yes to kind of take some time away from Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, it really hurt Taylor Hawkins' feelings. Yeah, Hawkins and and Grohl had a lot of tension um, while Grohl was was off off doing that. But it, to me, you know, at least in retrospect, it seems like it was quite necessary because Grohl was just so emotionally uh, affected by Hawkins' overdose and and all the things around it, where he just kind of needed to go and. Get behind the drums again. Yeah. <laughs> and not be the guy in charge and just feel like what it was like to be a part of a whole without being the leader. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people would argue that it kind of rejuvenated him. And uh, Foo Fighters were reuniting to play at Coachella. And Queens of the Stone Age was also playing at Coachella that year. So, Grohl was doing double duty. He performed drums for Queens of the Stone Age and then was fronting Foo Fighters on the same festival. Wow. And Hawkins and Grohl had to figure things out there, you know, because yeah. they were going to be playing together. And they so, they had like a, a fight, I guess where taylor almost quit the band uh but but taylor was the first to extend the olive branch by showing up at dave's concert with queens of the stone age Hmm. and so taylor showed support and then after that dave and taylor took a long walk together sorted out their issues and uh, then they played their set and uh Then they got back in the studio, started recording one by one, and this new session was only like a week. And they banged out a lot of the best songs of the album in this one week session, which included the song Times Like These, which Dave wrote about how he felt when he was at odds with Hawkins. Mm. And Times Like These, as many know, has become one of Foo Fighters' greatest hits. Yeah,
0: wow. Well, and it's it's scary when you're, you know, addiction's a powerful thing. And we've seen that in a, a lot of the friendships, especially amongst musicians and, and artists. Uh, even the Miles Davis, John Coltrane story, there's a point where mm-hmm. it's like, like, I love you, but I can't take the risk that I'm going to get this other thing instead of you. That's not quite the right way to say it, but like, it's terrifying. To to know that your friend may or may not be able to control their relationship with a substance, for example. And you have to invest emotionally, financially, all of these things if you're in a band with them. And and you feel betrayed. Like, they, even though they can't necessarily control. Like, addiction is a disease and all, all of these things that we understand now. But it still feels like he picked this other thing over you.
1: Yeah. And although although Hawkins had ten substances yeah. in his system when he died, he also had a, a very enlarged heart, mm-hmm. and he easily could have died just of the enlarged heart on its own. Wow! You know, so like I, I want to make a note of that: that his death very likely did not directly have to do with the substances in his system. Could those substances have made it easier for him to die? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, But he he had an enlarged heart. He suffered from sleep apnea and a lot of other things that made his death a lot more likely than just, you know, a drug overdose. Which it did not say that he overdosed. It just said he had things in the system. So I just want to point that out. And I know that a lot of folks, once they hear that, oh, they had benzos or they had this in their system or or opioids. Yeah, he probably did because he's a recovering addict. And so Mm -hmm. he might be on some pills here or there to kind of stem his addiction or, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. That's something between his family, his friends, him. And it's not really our place to kind of put a judgment on that. And, And also... He was in Colombia. It's possible that he got pills from a pharmacy that may not have been as well regulated. Uh-huh. We don't know, you know? And and that that could happen in America. You know, Prince died of a little bit of fentanyl in his stuff. Yeah. And it was in it was in a pill. It it wasn't, you know, if Prince can die of fentanyl, it could be anybody, yeah. you know? <laughs> like if rich people are going down, it could be anybody. So, it's not I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was necessarily uh, behaving badly or doing something riskier than the norm. Oh, yeah. So I just, just want to put that totally. out there.
0: It, and I think when I was talking about that, it's more in the moment of 2001, you know, where you're like, I have this ongoing yeah. band. What do I, what do I, how do I support my friend? It reminds me a lot of the John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd friendship. Um yeah. That we talked about, you know, it's just well, and just also, struggle. and
1: and his death was twenty one years later. Yes.
0: Oh, so it's yeah. Not like
1: no, no, yeah. and I'm not saying that's, it, but I'm. It's
0: it's an interesting challenge when you have a friend battling with substance. Oh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes was another one. Yes. Um, where that was a big theme.
1: Hawkins died on tour with with Foo Fighters. They had just played a show in Argentina. It was like Coachella in Argentina, mm-hmm. and then they were uh, getting ready to do a show in Bogota, Colombia. Oh wow!
0: And so that was so. Yeah, the, yeah, sorry, they reunited
1: yeah. at Coachella, and then at Coachella in
0: in, L, or in yeah California. yeah. But that was fifteen seventeen years ago. Yeah, and they've
1: been because I feel like they have done a bunch of reunion tours, and then yeah, this recent one. Hawkins had his own side projects too, and other bands. Mm-hmm. I guess every time they they get together, it feels like a reunion. That's true. <laughs> but there was a a time apart because of the the overdose, and then. Queens of the Stone Age mm-hmm. business, but yeah. Otherwise, Hawkins, Hawkins, and and Grohl were there for each other completely. They supported each other's side projects. When uh, when Grohl fell and, and broke his leg during a show, uh, a Foo Fighters show, Hawkins, you know, took the mic and carried the show until Grohl could get patched up and then wheeled back out again. <laughs> wow, you know, they were they were the closest of friends. They loved each other and. and there are rumors that that hawkins was upset with the touring schedule or you know all sorts of stuff towards the end because foo fighters had a very intense tour schedule set for 2022 mm. but i don't know man like i it didn't strike me as the kind of friendship where they would hold things back at this point yeah
0: and and also like Lots of touring schedules are intense. Every workplace has those kind of gripes, you know, like, oh, they schedule too many meetings on Fridays (laughs) or whatever. So I feel like it's easy in the wake of a tragedy like this to take what are probably constant general struggles when you're working together uh, and turn them into, like, big things, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a there was rumor that Hawkins passed out on Foo Fighters' plane uh, in, I think, 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people shot it down, but then uh, Hawkins' friend, Chad Smith, the drummer for Red Hot Chili Peppers, said it happened. Mm-hmm. And he was like, they're just touring so much. They're doing so many shows. And also, Foo Fighters are known for playing long shows. They do, like, three-hour shows. Oh, wow. Foo Fighters' set is three hours. And so... Like it's it's a lot, <laughs> yeah. So like I, so I can I can get it um, why that would be tough, but I I don't feel like there was that kind of tension to the point where they were upset at one another or anything like that. I just don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and this is just me guessing, you know. So it's possible. One of the things that I thought made Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl's friendship so great. Was I felt that both men had similar value systems. Both guys seemed like very down to earth fellas. and I know it come, we I know we don't know them know them, but we do know how much they they go out and hang out around L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave Grohl still goes to you know the mall and buys his vans at like PacSun and stuff, <laughs> you know, like he's he's a very regular dude around town and taylor hawkins was also very much a regular dude around town uh, and they in in the taylor hawkins tribute concert uh miley cyrus actually uh, talked about what it was like being taylor hawkins next door neighbor <laughs> and she actually played a voicemail from taylor hawkins where it was him uh listening to i want to say i want to say it was poison
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm not 100 percent sure but i want to say it was like you know one of those 80s hair metal bands and he was like hey i'm listening to poison come over <laughs> and it was just and it was just him hanging out in his basement next door calling his next door neighbor to just come over and listen to some music together yeah and and dave Grohl. Very much emphasizes in his interviews and in his book uh, about the possibility of having uh, a regular life and a career in music and having those things coexist. And Dave Grohl very much believes in having a regular life, like a family life where you got a home, you have dinner with your kids, mm-hmm. you know, you see your wife and all of that. And it's possible to actually do that. And still be a rock star you you can set your own hours you know if you really want to and Taylor Hawkins very much agreed with that and both men have very full family lives have very full friendships and relationships with their co-workers and neighbors and it was very apparent in the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert how deep the friendships these men have with those around them and how their bond as a duo not only meant a lot to the people around them, but also became an iconic friendship in rock and roll. Mm. When you think of Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins, you think of, you know, like uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen and uh, his his uh, saxophone player, you think uh, of uh Lennon and McCartney or, or Keith Richards and at, at Mick Jagger mm-hmm. or Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart you know like all these rock and roll friendships uh Brian May uh, and and Freddie Mercury you know these duos yeah. and i think when Taylor died and Dave Grohl put together that memorial concert it was so incredibly thoughtful because he did it at Wembley Stadium, which is also where Queen did their memorial concert for mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. Queen was Taylor Hawkins' favorite band, mm. and then Dave ROLL got Freddie Mer- or got Queen to play the concert with them, yeah. which is so That's cool. Awesome, and I don't know. It was just. A, there was just, like, a a whole expression of collective grief, you know? It was, like, also, you know, 2022, we're on the other side of the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still going on, but, like, the height has already come and gone, Mm -hmm. you know? And we lost so many people during that time, and we as a society took refuge in music and movies. And so when Hawkins died, I feel like it made a lot of fans more emotional than they expected because of this connection and during this, you know, vulnerable time. Yeah. And then also like in, in how they put together this show, they put in, you know, uh, Wolfgang Van Halen, who's, you know, memorializing his father, Eddie, who, who died uh, more towards the beginning of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. they never really got to have like a big concert thing for him. Uh, you know, obviously Queen. They came in and played five songs. Uh, uh, Rush. They they were mourning the loss of Neil Pert, and they they played the show as well. Yeah. So it was kind of like a, a collective grief uh, uh, catharsis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I don't know. It was just amazing to me to, to watch and and see and and. And listen to all this stuff and so I, I started exploring uh, grief counseling websites about uh, how to deal with the loss of a friend and what 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 are healthy things to do and uh, one, one of them uh, and I'll share these resources on our on our uh, notes and links but uh, a lot of the suggestions involve journaling, mm-hmm. giving yourself some time. Just it's it, it. The only thing that will help you really recover is time. Everything just takes time. Mm-hmm. Self care, and that, that's not just like getting a facial. It means like getting proper sleep, eating. You know, maybe you don't have the energy to cook, so you know, eat out a little bit if you have to during this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, get some fresh air. Uh, thing Do things that are relaxing, you know if you're not into meditation, maybe a long bath or something hmm. um, It's important to spend time with people who understand your grief and understand your relationship to the person. Uh, keep in mind that you know maybe the family of the person that of your friend that just passed may not have the space or time or emotions to to help support you in that grief, so maybe turn towards some other friends or some other folks that would know how close this person was to you because their family may be going through something all on their own, you know, in a whole other way. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's always good to do something in your friend's memory and, uh, you know, like have a memorial concert yeah. or something. Uh, so uh, I, I feel like Dave Grohl did a lot of these things that, that, the, the grief websites that I've looked at have recommended uh, a, a lot of them recommend music <laughs> uh, and and sharing uh, listening to songs that you shared together and and taking refuge in in uh, music and performance uh turning to others for support talking to a counselor all these things are are healthy ways to deal with your grief when you lose a friend and you have to you know keep in mind that Losing a friend can be harder than losing a family member because this is someone who you chose, mm-hmm. you know, and they chose you. And so it's it's okay to feel intense grief over the loss of a friend. And the loss of that friend can change relationships with your other friends. And you have to be willing to accept that that's possible. And... It's it's very normal to have the thought that you will never have another friend like this person again. And the reality is, is that is true, that that person and that friendship is unique, just like every friendship is unique. And even though this friendship has uh, has essentially ended with the passing of your friend that doesn't mean that you can't have a meaningful friendship again. And that's why it's so important to do the things to process your grief so that you can open yourself up to having new friendships and and knowing that uh, it's possible for you to get close to someone once again after losing your best friend. And um, there, there are so many great resources online and I, I, I will share the ones that I found and uh, if you guys ever want to talk to grief, to us about grief or, or reach out or or uh, or talk to any other my favorite friendship uh, friends over that, please reach out to us at my fav friendship on Twitter at my favorite friendship on other platforms. Uh, as Mark said, you can always reach out to us, and we'll do what we can to to support you and to help you out during during the tough time. Because losing a friend can be so so hard. And uh, it, it and a lot of society is not set up to acknowledge the importance of friendship. It just isn't, and I, I we can do a whole other episode about why that is. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but losing a friend can be just absolutely devastating, and I feel that uh, the friendship between Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins is incredibly inspiring to me about uh, you know seeing somebody process grief so publicly and uh, and seeing their friends and family rally around them uh, you know of course Foo Fighters had to cancel a lot of appearances uh, because of Taylor Hawkins death mm-hmm. uh, but you know one thing i thought that was kind of cool was even though Foo Fighters canceled on the Grammys Dave Grohl's family uh, stepped up and attended the Grammys uh in to like represent him mm. and his daughter uh performed violet she she performed i think at the pre-grammy party and his wife uh, showed up that's cool and and they all just you know showed up in all black ensembles uh symbolizing their grief but also showing face mm-hmm. for dave who is at home kind of just dealing with all this stuff mm-hmm. and giving him space to actually do that you know and it's like very
0: the what's i feel like what makes it extra hard is that's such a great example because it's like you're dealing with this huge loss this huge change in your life and experience but the whole rest of the world is still doing the grammys you know or whatever whatever other commitments relationships responsibilities organizations communities you might be a part of like they're even your other friends everything else is moving at its own pace which may be affected by this same loss but not never nothing will ever be affected in the same exact way that you are and i think it's really important to to make space for people to grieve in their own way and also to understand that sort of that not, no one else or nothing else is feeling grief the exact same way that you are and they that may cause them to do things that don't aren't necessarily helpful all the time um and and that they they almost certainly don't mean it to be that way and and if you need space to ask for it, you know, if you can't perform at the Grammys, you, you just tell them and send a family member. <laughs> it seems like a great solution or, or whatever, yeah. whatever you have to do. Um, you know, y- you can't stop the world from turning, but you can make sure that you're in the place you
1: need to be while it's doing so. Absolutely. The fact is everyone deals with loss. All of us will face this at some point in our lives and to pretend that this is a a private thing or or something that only a few people go through, that is not the case. Everybody goes through this. And so we all need to make space for others and have empathy for others and understand that when we are the ones going through this, that we are not alone. And, And it's okay to tell people that we're grieving. And you you don't know when it when it will hit you or or how it will hit you, you know. Um, I was reading on on one of these sites about the five stages of grief. Yeah, are you familiar with that? I
0: or maybe I'm thinking of the yeah. stages of loss. Well, so, what, what are they? <laughs> Let me see if they're the, the stages I'm thinking of.
1: Or, sure, sure. Or stages of loss. Yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. Denial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like that was actually created. Uh, uh, in reference to someone finding out that they have mm-hmm. a terminal illness it's not it wasn't about how people deal with yeah like losing somebody but it's it's yeah. attributed to that a lot and a, a, a lot of the more popular modern philosophy on people processing grief this way is that uh the the five stages yeah. do not really apply for uh and it's not it's not really the best way to I, I've had look various, at your grief you know, or loss. I, I
0: feel like there's lots of things that feel like loss. And I feel like those stages sure, you could maybe identify a moment where you're more in one of those stages or the other, but in general I think it's like they all get jumbled together and you just cycle through them moment to moment sometimes. And for as long as your your body and brain and, and heart need to. Dave
1: Grohl said uh, uh, about this, I, I'll close with this, is, you don't choose your family, but you do choose your friends. And it almost makes it hurt more. I mean, it's all a mystery. And there's no textbook, there's no instruction manual on how to mourn. But when I think about that short period of time, it's not even days or weeks or years it's just that was a lifetime and then i had to start another one wow and that that kind of emotional resilience that kind of uh, thinking is what really inspires me uh and it, it, um I will put this out there if you guys don't look at the link about uh searching for grief. The website is what's your com. You can look up what's your grief. And uh it, it it covers a lot of really great stuff and I I found it quite helpful. Uh I I did not have a best friend die recently, but a, a friend of of uh many of us uh, uh mm-hmm. Dane uh passed away and I and uh and uh, I I loved Dane so much and it was so great to be be his pal and I, I was honored that he invited me to uh, work and uh, perform at his fundraiser for uh, his cancer benefit but uh, Dane passed away not not too long ago maybe about a month ago his name is Dane Kissel and uh, he he's. A good friend of ours, and, uh, and I know many folks struggling with loss right now. And if you are struggling with loss, please, you know, look, look for those folks that can inspire you to find resilience and find joy. And, and uh, find ways for you to open yourself up to make new friends. And I have to say, Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins certainly inspired me. So I hope this inspired you guys.
0: Thank you so much, Brian. This this was uh, an awesome friendship and also just about something really important too. Um, So if you are somewhere in the world, you know, grieving, living, loving, whatever you are doing, but you want to be near people who might be your friends, where are some places, Brian?
1: Where are some places in the world that that might be? You should definitely check out Chicago, Illinois. There's some great my favorite friendship friends in Chicago or go to London, England Ooh. across the pond or check out some more folks in the Midwest of the United States. Go to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Or if you're you're tired of the US, go to Victoria, British Columbia. That's always a good spot. Or why don't you go by coastal? You could go to LA or New York. Both great my favorite friendship towns. And of course, you trekked right there in Europe. Gotta go visit the friends in Europe. You can always go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Denver, Colorado, Spokane, and Seattle, Washington. Check out Miami, Florida. You can go to Frankfurt, Germany, Omaha, Nebraska, Las Vegas, Nevada. So many great places around the world where there are people who care about friendship and want to be better friends.
0: Awesome. And again, uh, if you have anything you can and would like to say to us, please reach out to Brian or I at, at Brian Wool and at Mark Musinski, spelled like they sound or spelled like they're spelled in the show notes. And you can always find this podcast at My Favorite Friendship on all platforms but one. <laughs> that one is Twitter, because I guess Elon Musk hasn't changed their character limit yet. So it's at my fav friendship. And uh, is there anything else you want to leave people with?
1: Wow, that's that's all I got man what a what a fun interesting and emotional topic to cover yeah thank but, you uh, I, I I think it's something I want to keep looking at because it's it's something that I think is important and not looked at enough mm-hmm. is uh, the importance of friendship and what it's like you know grief it's tough yeah well, until then, stay friendly everybody
0: bye bye.